Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back, everyone. Oh, we, we're at a right old time. We pulled the crackers during the break there, didn't we, Robin? <laughs> yeah, we really did. Uh, we're here in the moon underwater for the Christmas party with beer writer, judger, expert, Emma Inch, who we're so pleased to have with us. And But Robin, tell us about these crackers, because they weren't... They, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say they were very much sort of Gandalf-esque. If Gandalf had made a cracker, that'd been what we'd had here. The sounds, it wasn't a bang, it was... So it was a heavenly, like the sound of the heavens when he pulled them. Yeah, yeah, a big kind of explosion, you know, big f- fireworks, if you will. Mm. We happen to drag it around these parts in 50 years. With all that kind of stuff, <laughs> uh, all that kind of flying about. The the jokes weren't, the jokes didn't really land, got to say that. No, very esoteric. Very, ri- more, more riddles, really. Yeah, I think they probably dated back many hundreds of years to sort of jokes that uh, monks would have told each other. Um, I got uh, I got in my cracker, I got a sense of relief. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Emma got uh, an oasis of calm. Mm. And uh, Robin got one of those little plastic red fishes that you put on your hand and it uh, tells you about your personality. Yeah, it, um, it, it writhes around and says you're... you're a- you 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 are you have problems with anxiety. Yes, that's absolutely what what it did. Yeah, we looked yeah. it up on the little bit of paper. We did, um, and we're all uh, wearing our hats. Robin was already wearing a hat, so he's got a double hat on. Double hatted it. Double hatted quizmaster because Robin at the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz, um, uh, you set us some very interesting. Uh, teasers about people born on Christmas Day. Take it away. It was a quiz all about people born on Christmas Day, and all you need to do is tell me which year in which they were born. So number one was Annie Lennox. Emma, what do you think for Annie Lennox? Well, I'm thinking, I know she's she's a, she's a bit older than me. I'm going to go 1960? 1961? Oh. Okay, I've got, to, I've got to plump. Okay. Actually, yeah, I'm going to go 1960. 60. 61. So, 60. 60. 60. 60. Yeah. Final answer. John. I'm worried I've I've perhaps piled too many years on Lennox's shoulder. I've gone 1956. 
John has it. It's 1954. Really? really? Yes, 1954. She looks good for her age. She looks really good. Yes. I mean, I am just going to double check that. (laughs) (laughs) So that would make her... 68? 68. 1954, yeah. Anila Knox. Yeah, well, she's always been a classy-looking woman. She has. Secret Annie. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's certainly not walking on broken glass. (laughs) 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 And without the next guest, there wouldn't be any broken glass on the floor to walk on because it would all be floating about because there wouldn't be (laughs) gravity. That's right. Isaac Newton. What year was he born in? Emma, what do you reckon for that? I'm going to show my ignorance. I have I have no idea. That's I'm going to one. think it might start with a with a 16 or a 17, but mm-hmm. I have no idea. Do you want to plump for? I'm going to plump for 1701. 1701, John. I think I've gone too young for Newton. I've gone 1730. 1730. Emma, you you're closest because it was 1642. Was it really? Oh my goodness! Oh, Melvin Bragg would have my guts for garters. <laughs> well, you weren't far off, really. Well. I was nearly 100 years off, Robin. Wow, in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. And Humphrey Bogart, Emma. I think um, I think he probably looked older in films than he actually was because people did. This is my guess anyway. Yeah. So I'm going to go uh, 1902. 1902. John? Well, this is fascinating because I've gone 1901. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, it's 1899. <gasps> wow. John was the closest. Wow, you were both so close. What year was Casablanca then? Because it was that 40s, early 40s, 50s. 40s, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because, yeah, 1942. Was hmm. it really? Yeah. Huh. So he would have been 43. It's so, it is so sort of, it's nuts how, um, how much older those people were than you think. He was the Clooney of his age, I guess. Yeah. In many ways. <laughs> he really was. Yeah. Born in the Victorian era. Well, of all the dream pubs in all the world, we <laughs> had to walk into this one. We really did. We really did. Um, we're tasting some beers with Emma Inch at something that she is, well, one of the one of the world leaders on tasting beer. Robin is already flourishing as, um, as a, you are, a sniffer yeah. and a swisher and a swallower of, uh, of booze. Um so far we've tasted well i've tasted a non-alcoholic soft drink uh gunner the original and um emma and robin have uh tasted cloudwater super hoppy uh super hoppy christmas i should say 5.3 percent i then went for a big drop galactic milk stout which has got the uh, johnny jr seal of approval didn't you emma am i right in thinking that was a winner in a competition you judged yeah yeah so the uh the big drop stout um I believe uh, so. It was the World Beer Awards uh, in around I reckon twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Um, won a silver medal of all the stouts in the world, in but in with alcoholic stouts. Um, so it wasn't in, in a and we do have non-alcoholic rounds in the big beer competitions, um, but that one um, because they're all blind tasted, so nobody knows uh, nobody knows what they're drinking. Uh, and it, it it gained a silver medal up against alcoholic versions of of stout, and it and it, it I mean it absolutely sort of uh, blew blew our heads off really, you know, in terms of finding out. Oh my goodness, the silver medal has gone to an alcohol free beer. It was amazing. You didn't even know it was alcohol free in the no idea, wow. no idea. Yeah, so that's how I think that's how well it stands its ground. And I think um, 
I think alcohol-free drinks have come on uh, away in the past few years, um, particularly in terms of having things on on tap and stuff in pubs. But I think Big Drop, you know, really put a pin in the map. This is what alcohol-free beer can do. It can taste like this. It doesn't have to be something that that people shy away from. Um, they really, they really did make a massive difference with that, and that was quite a turning point, I think, in the industry when people realised how good it could be. Well, I had, um, I, I've heard such bad things about alcohol-free wine uh, in the main, and I was at an event where they had some no secco, and you can get no secco in supermarkets and stuff, and I tried it, and it was absolutely fantastic. It was, I, I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of sort of dry sparkling wine anyway, but it was just a bit fruitier. It was sort of a, a midpoint between champagne and schlur is uh, how I would describe it. I mean, I, th- I think wine is is harder to recreate. Beer has an advantage because it's got the four ingredients um, you can play about with. There's other things you can add to give some body uh, and to make it more beer-like. Wine is difficult because generally it has one ingredient and it's very hard to kind of make that good. But, um, I, you know, I think... Well, last this time last year, um, Club Soda opened a alcohol-free pop-up off-license, and I, um, Laura from Club Soda, kindly took me on this kind of journey of of wine, wine-like drinks, and also a really nice journey on spirits as well, on whiskey-like drinks. There are things out there if you're looking for alternatives, and uh, I'm a I'm, I'm a big you know a big supporter of the alcohol-free market. Um, I, you know, I always have alcohol-free beers in my fridge. I love the taste of beer. Why would I not want alcohol-free beer if it tastes good? I don't just drink beer because of, you know, it changes sometimes the way I feel. I drink it because I like the taste. Um, and I think the, there are these alternatives. You may not get something, as you say, that tastes exactly like Prosecco, but you can get something that 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 mimics that experience. And I think that's, you know, that's it's, it's great. It's never been never been uh, a better time, I don't think, to be to be looking for alternatives. And also just from a psychological perspective, you know, it was at a, I was doing a gig and everyone was backstage and it was sort of a quite a celebratory gig. And when everyone's chinking glasses, you don't want to be the sort of person holding up your Coke can or your, it just felt like you were sort of part of it. And and also, not that it matters, but no one would have known anyway if they'd, if they'd walked in. And I think- for So it some, doesn't become an issue, yeah. Yeah, for some people that is a bit of a, barrier they might not want people asking oh why you're drinking a bex blue or whatever it's nice to just hold up a a drink uh so what's your next taster guys because the the carol singers are going to be around soon goodness me they it's a very (laughs) what sort of music is it robin because it's certainly not traditional carol singing well it's a completely chromatic music right what does that mean well it's just they're using all 12 notes of the scale yeah in completely random order. Yeah, yeah, it's quite something. It you really is. Want to li- you wouldn't want to listen to it for a whole evening. Not all day, no, no, no. But they they <laughs> pop round for a couple of bars. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, should we try the Ansbach and Hob Day? Yeah, that's a nice couple of words to say. Oh, it's such a nice. These are one of my favourite breweries. I must admit, Ansbach and Hob Day, uh, um, opened by. Um, the wonderfully named Paul Anspach and Jack Hobday. So they are actually oh, real that's people's names. Nice. Uh, they used to be home brewers. Um, they opened, I think, in about 2015 in Bermondsey. Oh, it's a Bermondsey one. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so they were in an archway in Bermondsey. Just before the pandemic, they opened a new 
brewing site in Croydon. So they're right near, I don't know if you know the IKEA in Croydon. Yeah, I do. But they're right near there. They're on the industrial <laughs> estate near there. Oh, okay. Um, and so they brew a lot of their beer there. Um, and I just think they're just a, a really nice people. And I think they make really sound beer. They make fantastic um, lagers, a whole different range of German lagers, very in- inspired by by um, German beers. But also the whole gamut of, you know, uh, English bitter, uh, American IPAs, um, this wonderful stout. And you may have seen them. You think people are seeing them more and more in London because – uh, well, unusually, their flagship beer is a porter. That's not not mm. that usual for um, a, a, a sort of a new startup brewery. So the porter is their flagship beer. I think that's about 6.7%, something like that. But in the past uh, couple of years, they've made a session version of that on nitro. In the, it pours in the same way that Guinness pours, with the creamy head um, as black and as beautiful as a pint of Guinness. Um and they've launched it in London as London Black, as a sort of an alternative to Guinness. Um, you can only obviously get it on draft because that's how it's served. Um, and I, I think now it's taking up probably two thirds of their production. It's done so so very well. People are, are, are really interested in it, and uh, and it tastes wonderful. So uh, you know, stouts and porters are are you know their expertise really. I th- I've got a feeling, Robin, that the secret pub which we revealed the name of recently the uh the jackalope that's the stout you you tried and you didn't like wasn't it <laughs> well no no they they poured one of the best pints of guinness in london and it's quite hard to come by good guinness in london i have to say mm-hmm. and i walked in you know i've probably been there 20 or 30 times and i said oh can i get a pint of Guinness and they said oh we don't have we'd stop doing Guinness so obviously okay. I burst into tears <laughs> um, and they said uh, we've got London Black and I will admit that I am someone when it comes to stout I mean I'm I'm not a stout drinker I'm a Guinness drinker and I think it was just a flavour overload. Yes I would say yeah it's it's not I mean although it's kind of pitched as an alternative to Guinness I don't know whether all Guinness drinkers will like it because it is much more flavoursome, yeah. much fuller. I adore it. I like a pint of Guinness as well in its place, but I absolutely adore London Black. But they're not the same beer. No, and I and I think to I, I think the problem is if you replace Guinness with a a, a proper stout, I'm I'm going to be slightly critical of Guinness here. Well, I'm not because I love it because it doesn't actually taste of a huge amount compared to a traditional stout which is you know it's burnt it's you know like we we're talking about the uh the galactic milk stout i mean this happens to be very smooth i think because of the milky elements but you know guinness tastes of guinness it doesn't taste of stout really i know that's sacrilege to say but people it's so popular because it's not going to divide opinion it's not a guinness isn't really a marmite drink it, i mean some people don't like it but um I'd, i i i I wasn't saying this isn't as good as Guinness. It's like it's mm-hmm. a different type it's different, of drink. Different yeah. drink, yeah. yeah. So this one is this this is a beautifully festive can here. This burgundy gold uh, can, and it's called the Pfeffernusser Stout. Thank you for saying that. Pfeffernusser is um, they're German <laughs> cookies, very mm. like um, festive German cookies with a, a lot of cardamom, nutmeg, cinnamon, cloves, ginger. So is that the kind of taste we're going to be expecting here? It is, yeah. And I did say about the last can, you couldn't get a more festive can where you, you're blooming cans, <laughs> yeah. can't you? Because there's two 
blooming Father Christmases on this. So So this is 6%. Based on the German biscuit of the same name, rich malty stout with the perfect blend of festive spices, ginger, cinnamon, aromatics, precede biscuity malts and warming spices on the palate. Merry Christmas. And it what is it, 6%? I think so, yeah. Yeah, 6%. Let's get a nice clean glass. Ooh. Oh, it smells lovely. Wow. Dark as night. Ooh, that is good. Mm. I can see some high scores on the nose just from, oh. just from the... Uh... Have you tasted this before, Emma? I have, yeah. Robin, yeah, have I, you? No, I do never. Like a, do you like this beer? So yeah, it's uh, it's rich and roasty on the nose. Not a huge amount of the spices, but but some of them they're like a gingerbready type of. Yeah, there's some kind of warm gingerbread sort of stuff, but a treacle, and it just looks so beautiful as well. At uh, Robin, on the nose, please. Yeah, it's got. It has got. I'm getting the gingeriness. Um. Yeah, I want to say the biscuity, bready quality mm-hmm. as well. Um. Yeah, like like Emma says, I'm not getting those kind of very festive spices on the nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, let's should we go in for a taste? But I'm I quite like that actually because I'm not I'm not I, I don't know if I'd dive in as much if it was too if it smelled of cardamom and so, yeah, yeah you know yeah. if it smelled like a mold wine I'm not you yeah know, sure I'm not sure I'd be as into it. Ooh, oh my God, that is a journey. Mm. That is a real journey. <laughs> wow. There's like the first taste is your classic first impression, almost, oh, it could be a Guinness. And then this incredible like richness goes down the back of your tongue where it's spicier um, and you're getting those spices. And then there's this kind of aftertaste. It's quite, it's quite dry and it's got that kind of, yeah, like the bready... Kind of quality, biscuity. Definitely some coffee, some rich kind of a bit of creaminess. The head is lovely. It's lovely off-white, off-white coloured head. This thick. It's got a lovely mouthfeel. Mm. But definitely not overwhelmingly um, Christmassy. You know, I always worry when I have beers at Christmas. I always think, you know, it's a bit like you don't want to hear Christmas songs after Christmas Day, do you? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, if I don't drink them all, in the run-up to Christmas, am I going to be left with Christmas beers in my fridge that I'm not going to be able to <laughs> yeah. stomach because they, I don't know, the taste of gingerbread or something. But this is the sort of thing you could have definitely mid-January on a cold, cold night mm. because it's not overpowering, but it's just got that warmth and that um, a bit of a cuddle. Definitely. This would be stunning to cook with as well, wouldn't it? In a, mm. Like beef stew or something. Sorry, I know you're vegan. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Or, or a, a, a vegan chocolate cake. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That would be lovely. That would be nice to have alongside it, actually. And it has still got a touch of sweetness, hasn't it? And it does. It does seem to capture that kind of the quality of that of the the biscuits after after which it's named. You know, because mm. there is that sweetness at the same time with those very rich aromatics kind of spices. Yes. Yeah. Right then, team. Let's have your marks for the nose, please, Robin. Well, I'm going to go on the nose. I might go for a. A three, I think, but mm-hmm. just wait yeah. for my later scores. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Emma on the nose. I'm going to go for. Um, I'm going to go for a four. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. Robin on the palette, please. I'm going to go five on the palette because I think it's really lovely. And I don't normally go for dark beers at home, but I can really imagine, you know, drinking one or two of these. It's it's really, really rich and just, yeah, gorgeous. Is it hard for a beer to really impress on the nose? Because with wine, I guess a lot of what you're smelling is alcohol. So unless, unless is it hard to judge, say, you know, a hazy pale that's 3.8% or 4% must be really difficult to sort of say, oh, that's got a fantastic aroma because unless it's super hoppy and super floral, it's not going to register as much as we're used to other alcohols sort of affecting our nose. I mean, I you know, a lot of it's down to taste, isn't it? And down to, down to personal taste. A lot of it's um, subjective. Um, I suppose what would what would tip me into a massive mark, I suppose, if I, is if I could pretty much smell it from across the room. I don't know. I, I love that kind of full, um, not that that's appropriate for every uh, beer style. Sometimes you want something very delicate. I mean, I, you know, what would have tipped that higher? Yes, if it was... Even more of that kind of roastiness. And- but the thing is, just some of those flavours that are in the the, the biscuit, you, you wouldn't really necessarily want. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. So, so you're right. Yeah. You know. So maybe I've been too harsh. But I mean, <laughs> I tell you what, though, aftertaste. I'm getting real Christmas yeah, cake vibe. Yeah, that is that is nice, isn't it? So what are you going on the palate, Emma? I'm going a five on the palate. Five on the palate. And the final resting place of every beer. How does it score on the soul, Robin? I'm going for five on the soul as well. Five on the soul. And it Emma... is healing my soul with every sip. So, mm. yes, a five. It's got to be a five. Well, um, Love it. so far, uh, it's the highest scorer because Emma's given it 14 out of 15. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I wanted to ask, well, you were talking about their, their sort of brewery in Croydon and um, the success story. And I read recently that Asahi are moving Dark Star from their home, uh, not far from you, uh, outside Brighton, but well, sort of between between Brighton and the M25. I've been to the Dark Star Brewery, and it's a wonderful place, and it's a place of great innovation and um, great artwork. But I wonder how is it inevitable? Because we want small breweries to succeed. We want them to be, you know, to need bigger premises to have demand. But is it inevitable that when that happens, they get bought and moved and? How do you balance that sort of wanting to keep that independent spirit with also wanting these places to make a lot of money and sell yeah. a lot of beer? I think it's really hard. I'm going to confess I have a dog in the fight because look at me. I'm wearing my Dark Star Christmas jumper. Mm. Oh, lovely. Um, <laughs> and <clears throat> I have a lot of respect for Dark Star. As you know, I think we discussed Dark Star mm. last time we spoke. And, um, uh, you know, coming from, you know, being living in Brighton, which is where Dark Star started, uh, I do have a lot of love for it. Um, and, uh, you know, some people stopped drinking Dark Star when it was bought by Fuller's. You know, they sort of said, oh, it's no longer it's no longer local, it's no longer Dark Star. Of course, then it was soon after bought by Asahi as part of the Fuller's package. Um, but they kept brewing in, in Partridge Green. And there's a great team in Partridge Green uh, who've just produced, um, I don't know if you know about, about this wonderful beer, um, Prize Old Ale. So Henry, um, who's the head brewer at... At Dark Star, um, got hold of uh, some of the Gales Prize Old Ale. So Fuller's bought Gales in a mid early, you know, two thousand two thousand six maybe. And Prize Old Ale is is one of the old Solera brewed uh, ales, one of the very old stock ales of England um, or of that style. It's a very old style. So so it's like Solera brings bring um, in the way sherry can be made. You keep some from the last batch. And then you blend it with a new batch, that kind of thing. So this, there was still was some prize old ale in Gales Brewery in Hampshire. And Henry got it and just recently, last month, um, blended, made a new uh, old ale, blended it with the old ale that was left from 15, 16 years ago and has produced this amazing beer. So they are doing incredible things in Partridge Green. And uh, I've, I, I'm sad to see it go, sad to see it move. And I think you're right, you know, in a in a capitalist society where we are cogs in a wheel, these things happen and business happens. And, um, you know, I'm not one who turns my back on breweries because they've been bought by somebody else. I like beer. Uh, most people in the world drink beer made by multinationals and most people enjoy beer made by multinationals. And that's that's fine. Um, and I do as well. Um, I just think. I think it's a bit of heritage that's going, you know, uh, that that feels like it's being lost. Who knows what will happen? 
Um, the meantime brewery is is a, a great brewery. It's a great facility. Um, I don't know what's happening to the staff who work in Partridge Green. I have no no knowledge of that. Obviously, um, I hope that people are being looked after, and I hope that that they continue to produce fantastic beers because I think Dark Star has a heritage. Maybe it's felt more strongly down here in Sussex than other places. I don't know, but um, but I love their beers, and I hope that that things you know continue well for them. Do do you think? Um, have you ever noticed a beer losing any of its flavor profile or changed in any negative way after a big takeover? I think it, I think that can happen. I personally don't think that happened with with Dark Star or with or with Fuller's or with uh, Meantime any of those breweries that were bought by Asahi. I haven't I haven't noticed that in the beers that I've drunk anyway. Um, but I know some people have 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 said stuff like that. I think. I think that can happen. You know, I think in, as I say, in, in the world that we live in, um, big brewers see that there are appeal, you know, people are drawn to um, quirky independent brands and they want to recreate that. And then maybe when that happens, maybe sometimes, uh, you know, overheads dictate that certain changes are made to recipes. I don't know. Um, it's It's very difficult because... I loved seeing Dark Star in pubs nearer to me. I loved seeing it spread a bit further. That was a real advantage. Yeah. I loved having it available in in shop in shops near me. So on the you sort of can't have it both ways. Yeah. Exactly. But I think you're right the the main hope is that the staff and the people who put their passion and expertise into that continue to wherever it's brewed. And I think COVID must have been very difficult because if you were a a small brewery in the late in late 2019 thinking right we need a bigger premises so we're going to have to raise some funds we might have to get into a bit of debt to open it up and then suddenly everything shuts down you're gone you know you're completely gone so to have the deeper pockets of a, a big company and the options to move brewery is much safer place so it's like well how do you want this to continue existing exactly and yeah i, I think we're still seeing the fallout from that now uh, I think for for you know a month or so, it's almost felt like a brewery a brewery every couple of days is closing. Yeah, um, and it's all the kind of knock on from COVID. And and if we don't support our local independents, then we cannot moan about them about them going. But I think I think there is a there's an odd thing about our attachment to independent brewing because people can be you know texting and tweeting their anger at lack of independence on you know a, a phone that's made by a massive multinational company, and you sort of I think it's an emotional attachment that 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 comes with things, and um, I think that's a difficult one to 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 explore. Really, this kind of you know this sort of dismissal of certain beers because of who they're owned by, and yet most people who drink beer have no idea who owns the the, the brewery that they're drinking the beers from. So I, I feel like I, it's become it's, there's a lot of tribalism, I think, in in beer and and, and the pub world. I think. I mean. I mean, there are there are some people who really don't like the kind of craft beer, kind of because of certain archetypes of people, you know. And there are people who really don't like, you know, when pubs try and reinvent themselves to be more friendly to kind of like families and start doing food, which like obviously pubs have to do, you know, to attract people in. You know, it's 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 weird that there is there are people that's like who who almost want to be like, no, I want my pub to be failing yeah. and have horrible yes. carpets. <laughs> and I sort of I do get that. I do yeah, totally yeah. get that because I love, you know, I I love 
pubs that are kind of, I, I love a carpeted mm-hmm. pub, you know, and I, I love, I love a range of pubs and I, I, I do get annoyed with in family pubs as well, you know. People can also be very sniffy about like Weatherspoons. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you sort of want a, a place for everything and everything in its place. And I get, I guess what you want is the selection. Yeah. So that, but that's not always uh, possible when economic circumstances are, are tricky. It isn't. And some people who shout the loudest, well, put your money where your mouth is and support your local brewery and support your local pub. And, and of, you know, many, many people do and support your local bottle shop as well. Mm. Um, but many, many people do, but you know, equally many people don't. And, you know, we will lose these places and particularly pubs, you know, you know this, I don't have to tell you how important they are and how important they are to community and to to life in this country. And we will lose more, I'm sure, unless unless we can somehow support them. Well, let's finish on uh, a literary note because before we take... Well, actually, I'm going to taste one more. Um, do you, you guys can choose. It's either a lager or a golden ale. Mm. Mm. What do you reckon I should go for? I'm going to say golden. Okay. Well, I'm glad you said that because it's one of my favourite non-alcoholic brewers. It's Low Tide Brewing Company. And for me, they do... I mean, everything they do is great. And it was the first time I tasted... When I tasted uh, a Low Tide Pale Ale, it was the first time I thought, oh, this, this industry has jumped on a hell of a long way. It was exceptional. Um, this is another 0.5%. Um, yes, it's got Maris, Otter, Amber, Rye and Oats. It's got Columbus, First Gold and Chinook hops. And then it just says Windsor. don't know what that's... A nod to the Queen? <laughs> well, I think the hops are Columbus, First Gold and Chinook. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then the... Uh, the wheat, maybe. Is Marisotta a wheat or a barley? Yeah, Marisotta's a malt. It's a barley, yeah. Ah, so it's Marisotta, Amber, Rye and Oats for the uh, malt. And then Windsor must be either the wheat or the barley. Anyway, or the yeast. No, the ye- no it's, it's the, the yeast. yeast. Yeah, yeah. It's Windsor yeast. Um, and it's got a lovely picture on the front of a little goldfish doing a thumbs up. Cute. Oh, that's yeah, that's nice. Swimming around. And it's called Our Future is Golden. Oh, I do hope it is. I'll pour out that. And it's very much in your sort of... Uh, well, it's nice and... Hazy pale territory there. Hazy, yeah. But definitely golden, as it uh, as it says, as I hold it up to the light. Hmm. Oh, that's annoying because it's something very specific that I can't think of. <laughs> Opal fruits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to uh, describe that. Can't pinpoint it in your memory. Oh, a very, very light grapefruit smell, as if you'd passed someone at a breakfast buffet who'd have gone for the grapefruit but weren't getting too close. Or me on a Christmas morning with Maradla. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, not a great deal. And then I think with a 0.5 sort of pale gold and you wouldn't expect huge bursts of smell but we'll go for a sip oh it's very very drinkable it's very drinkable it does have that slight soda water 
um, kind of taste that some some uh, very low alcohol drinks do. They've not they've not hidden the lack of alcohol with too much flavour. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's on the watery on the watery side. I have to say, that's a shame. Um, but certainly, uh, still leaps and bounds above. So I'm give I'm gonna have to give it a two on the nose. Yeah. Oh, can I just say this pfeffer nosa? Oh, it's getting better and better. It's really. <laughs> it's it's opening up now, isn't it? It may say now more it's... about us than it does about about the beer, yeah. but it really is good. Yeah, it's uh, it's opening up a lot with it. now. It's been poured and everything the smell changes i think mm. doesn't it yeah. yeah as it warms up definitely mm. i'm giving it a three on the soul um so not at low tide's best one their best one is brune dmc mm. which is oh, a nice. great brown yes i've had that one yes beer. yeah that's very good. very good uh so robin what is in the festive moon underwater pub library Thanks, John. Well, it's Christmas time, isn't it? So this is a lovely piece of writing from Dylan Thomas, A Child's Christmas in Wales. There's a classic kind of prose poem, I would say, about kind of memories of growing up in Wales and uh, Christmas. So here we go. I'll try and hope the reading isn't affected by the pfefferness of stout, but I'll give it a go. Years and years and years ago, when I was a boy, when there were wolves in Wales, and birds the colour of red flannel petticoats whisked past the harp-shaped hills, when we sang and wallowed all night and day in caves that smelt like Sunday afternoons in damp front farmhouse parlours, and we chased with the jawbones of deacons, the English and the bears, before the motor car, before the wheel, before the duchess-faced horse, when we rode the daft and happy hills bareback, it snowed and it snowed. And here, a small boy says, it snowed last year too. I made a snowman and my brother knocked it down and I knocked my brother down and then we had tea. But that was not the same snow, I say. Our snow was not only shaken from whitewash buckets down the sky, it came shawling out of the ground and swam and drifted out of the arms and hands and bodies of the trees. Snow grew overnight on the roofs of the houses, like a pure and grandfather moss, minutely white-ivied the walls, and settled on the postman, opening the gate, like a dumb, numb thunderstorm of white, torn Christmas cards. Holy Moses. That's so wonderful. <laughs> it's very nice. Lovely piece of writing. And you should also listen to the John Cale's fantastic song of the same name, mm. uh, which he took inspiration from the Dylan Thomas piece of writing but there we go when would he have written that robin do you know uh must be 30s i want to say maybe earlier it's, it's it's kind of a very it's a very famous piece of writing gets you know read out a lot at this time of year and that captures some of that magic of christmas we were talking about doesn't it yeah and i think the way you perceive it as a child yeah and how that kind of stays with you as if your childhood is this kind of mythical landscape yeah, it you wasn't know. the same snow this was different snow. yeah exactly better yeah. snow yeah. Yeah. yeah incredible i think that was released after his death mm. he was young yeah. Uh, not a very pleasant chap by all accounts, but nope. a s- <laughs> splendid writer. Yeah. 
so, uh, folks, it's been a delight to have you here for the Moon Underwater Christmas Party. Uh, we've enjoyed tasting and rating our beers. Uh, we had Cloudwater Super Hoppy Christmas, uh, Big Drop Galactic Milk Stout, Ansbachen Hobday Pfeffernusa Stout, and also uh, Gunners Soft Drink, and Our Future is Golden by Low Tide. My winner is definitely the Galactic Milk Stout. And uh, guys, I think you're you're still reeling from the ongoing experience of the Ansbach and Hobday Pfeffernusa Stout. Yeah. We are we are very stout for Christmas. <laughs> so <laughs> it's good stuff. We do wish you all the best, and we do hope uh, the pub is a, a point of coming together for you over the Christmas period, uh, whether in pints or sans cans, because uh, it does offer. A nice place to meet when the the nights are long and the weather is all over the blooming place. Um, And people are staying closer to home. Uh, We're now going to invite Emma behind the cellar door. So if you want to hear our catch up with Emma about all things brewing and all things beering over the past 18 months, then do head to moonunderpod.com and click through to where you can support us on Patreon. And uh, we will see you all in the new year. Merry Christmas and bye-bye.